Hello and welcome to another edition of the Hokies Press Pass Podcast. This is Andy Bitter, the Virginia Tech football beat writer. Talking on the phone today from an on-location, Aaron McFarlane, our sports columnist at the Roanoke Times and recent uh, addition to the Greater New York Chamber of Commerce, uh, Aaron McFarlane. Aaron, how is New York? You hate New York, but all of a sudden you like New York. You're here for the ACC basketball tournament. I'm having a blast. This is the biggest upset you will see in March this year. I'm having a blast, and it's early. It's early, but I have taken control of my New York experience. And Actually, no, I've taken command of my New York experience. You know how they talk about pitchers. If you have control, it means you're just not walking guys. You're throwing strikes. A, a command guy is painting the corners, and I am I am painting the corners here. Um, Berman and I are on the, on the outs. Uh, we're on the fritz. We're on the rocks. Uh, he's really mad at me. Uh, last night was uh, one of the worst nights in his life, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, he basically, what what happened was, I, I told him, hey, I'm going out. I'm going to go house some pizza, you know, and uh, and he's like, uh, okay. I was like, you know, you can come if you want. He, he's like, all right, I'll come. And while we're sitting at this dumpy pizza place, it hits him. It dawns on him, just like uh, Sally from from the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, when she realizes she's been screwed out of tricks or treats, and she goes, "You owe me restitution." And she gets really upset. He really got furious. He's standing there waiting for this pizza to be cooked. And he's like, "This is the biggest roof experience I've ever been through in my life. Why am I doing this? I am in Manhattan. I can go anywhere I want in the world, and I, I can dine. I can get a steak. I can get this." I'm here with you, and uh, and I was just laughing. I'm like, you, I'll pay for your pizza, and I'll take it up to the room and eat it myself. I said, uh, you do what you want. I'm taking command of my New York experience, and I'm doing it the way I want to do it. What What is Berman? Is he going to Studio 54? What What was his night's plan? Berman's not going out in some fancy New York place, is he? Oh, he likes he likes the nice you know steak dinner with you know a glass of wine and all that. I had a glass of wine too last night. It came out of a hotel uh, cup, as, and I bought it locally here at one of these little winery stores and uh, put it in a hotel cup and watched the UNC Greensboro and East Tennessee State. And I mean that was uh, that was as good as it gets. This morning I got up and walked seven miles along the Hudson River. I didn't I didn't. You stop at a single traffic light. I didn't hear a single honking horn. Uh, you know, this, what, what the big difference here is that we're not staying in Brooklyn. We're in Manhattan. We're right near Wall Street. Uh, this is a much, much more authentic, I think, New York experience. What people think about when they go to New York, uh, and and really the, the arena's not that far away. We went last night uh, for the Hokie interviews, and it's only about four or five subway stops away. So this is the ideal combination of uh, you know not staying in essentially new jersey and uh and being fairly close to the arena so i'm a very happy man right now i'm going to watch some soccer this afternoon after i finish my story maybe go out and have lunch by the by the water here and uh gonna meet a buddy of mine old baseball buddy tonight who who uh happens to decide he wanted to live and work in this town i don't know why but um, we're gonna meet and, and have some dinner and, and maybe a couple ales and man, it's gonna be good. Uh, yeah, a couple things. First, you're not staying in Brooklyn. I think that was the big part. Yeah, that's a little too hipstery for you. A little, little grimy. Uh, I think you get you in Manhattan. That's a little bit better. Second of all, you're having like the true rube in the city uh, experience here. <laughs> like, 
go out, get a New York slice, have some wine, wine and, and pizza, and then watch a little TV uh, basketball in the hotel room. That That's not like the New York, New York experience, but it is the Rube New York experience. When you were walking around today, did you have the Alicia Keys song in your, your headphones as you were walking around? <laughs> Just put, puts an extra spring in your step as you're going around saying hi to everybody. You know, it's funny because I, I had an epiphany, really, because I thought about it. And I thought if I were a New Yorker and I came to Bonnetot Camp, you know, maybe I wouldn't have a natural light and float down the James River. Or maybe I wouldn't go hiking up at, uh, you know, Roaring Run, which are things that I would do on a weekend with my family. Uh, but I would find something to do that fit my sensibility. If I were a city guy, I would maybe go drive into Roanoke and go to Table 50 or go to Frankie Rollins or something like that, uh, places that I, I don't go to. Um, but you, you can find, you can tailor, and that is a good thing about, about cities the size of this. You can tailor your experience to fit your own sensibilities. And here I've done that. Uh, and Berman is, you know, Berman and I are about, other than having jobs as writers, we're about as opposite of people as you can be i like berman i consider him a friend but uh we're just not the same person you know he's abrasive i'm pretty laid back he's a steak and uh you know steak and wine guy i'm a the new york slice and and, and plastic cup guy so uh we, we i'm not sure how much we're going to see each other away from the arena but we'll be at the arena quite a bit here starting tomorrow so he's going to cover the somber six today um he wants to cover that uh, Notre Dame game just to get some quotes about uh, facing facing Virginia Tech, assuming that Notre Dame beats the beats the Panthers there. So um, he'll be at the arena. I'm not going to go. I'm just going to write my uh, Tech column from here and uh, and have some fun. I, I assume you're going to be go catch a matinee showing of Cats at some point today. Is that, <laughs> is that on the schedule? <laughs> you know. I actually considered going to an art museum down there by the water. Uh, it wasn't open when I was out walking this morning, but it is open at, at 11 o'clock. I, I like art. It's an American art museum. I, I might actually do that. That might be my culture, but no. No cats, and then no Phantom of the Opera. Um, no. And, and, you know, to be honest, and, and I don't want to offend anybody, no, like, 9-11 museum. I, mean, I know what happened that day. I'm right next to the 9-11 museum. I, I, I just uh, I think it would be a very... Uh, depressing situation. I mean, I've never forgotten what happened that day, and I don't. I don't really need to to, to relive it uh, to to know uh, and remember those people. I'm sorry, this is kind of taking a dark turn here. This podcast, but yeah, well, you know I what I mean. It's like they, they, they tell you you got to do these things if you come to New York. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do, and that's my mentality. I'm ruining it all. Well, I, I can hear Berman admonishing you already in my head. He's like, ah, oh, you, you got to go out, get a nice Italian dinner, well, you, you eat this pizza and, and wine in the cup. I can totally hear him uh, doing that to you throughout the night. Uh, we, we're glad that you're having a good time. We're, you're, it sounds like you're branching out. You're mastering the subway system. This is a this is a big weekend for Aaron here. Uh, also a big weekend for the ACC. You back up uh, in New York, which is not really the uh, you know the home base. For the ACC tournament, uh, I believe this is the last year they're doing it up here. They go to Charlotte next year. That's correct. Uh, you went last year as well. Uh, what is sort of the mood of the ACC tournament in New York? I mean, it has to be weird, right? Yeah, and and I said this last year too, and I'll, and I'll repeat it now. But you really can't take a gauge until Friday and Saturday. That's when things would heat up in Greensboro, and that's when they'll heat up here. Um, so don't don't look at the crowds today on the, and when they play the Somber Six. 
and and determine that it's a failure here. It's it's not. Uh, this is just such a big place. There's other things going on um, that you know that it's not the center of the universe that it is in Greensboro or even Charlotte or even you know DC had a, had a very ATC flavor. I thought when it was there. Um, and an interesting thing, Andy, is that uh, you know all the northern teams are playing today. You know, they, you know, Syracuse is here. You know, playing today. Uh, Pitt here playing today. Uh, BC is playing this afternoon against Georgia Tech. Notre Dame, which is a big draw, uh, I would think, uh, for this area, is is playing today. So, you know, a lot of your the, the reasons you have the tournament here, the uh, the northern teams. Uh, they are not. They're not going to probably last very long in this tournament. So you're going to have to have the Virginians and the Dukes carry this uh, carry this flag for this tournament. I think. Yeah, it's always. I'm always curious to see sort of what the reaction is to this stuff. I know the Big Ten like shoehorned its way into the Madison Square Garden, playing an abbreviated schedule this year just so it could play the tournament a week in advance and get in there. Uh, before the Big East, um, I, mean, I guess that's a little bit more of a natural fit, if you want to even say it that way, because Rutgers is at least there. Penn State is pretty close, but uh, this just seems very odd for the ACC to go up there. And uh, I, I think it's funny that the tweet that kind of went viral this week was that. Did you see that one about the, the New York Brooklyn barbecue is taking over the world? <laughs> and it's just like I this sad. That. Point well, that was like a. I feel like that was tweet, right? Yeah, I feel like that was. I feel like that was set up specifically for ACC basketball fans just to like lower their expectations for what this tournament is going to be up there. That that, that looked disgusting. <laughs> that plate of food, didn't it? It did, and I kind of I wonder if uh, if the town of Greensboro didn't sanction that uh, that tweet and then and, and secretly uh, promote it out and and make it uh, make it go viral like it did because yeah that that was a sad looking plate. It looked like uh, not even an appetizer for a for a real a barbecue feast. Yeah, I think I'm of your same mindset that don't judge how the tournament's going to go based on what happens today. Because you know, people always talk, oh, Greensboro is such a great site. It's like I covered some of those first days in Greensboro, and that was a sad day, especially when they had like the one game when it was the 8-9 right. matchup before they expanded everything. It's like, what was that, the Les Robinson Memorial game? Uh, I mean, that's just horrible. <laughs> there was never a crowd there. So don't, like, get all, you know, wax nostalgic for how great things were all the time in Greensboro. There were some really uh, crappy games played down in Greensboro and some sad crowds as well. Uh, I want to get to the Virginia Tech matchup. Uh, I think at this point we can safely assume it's going to be Notre Dame. We are recording this on Tuesday before the, the Somber Six games. Uh, Notre Dame gets Pittsburgh, which is terrible. Uh, didn't win a game all season in the ACC. I think it's pretty safe assumption to, uh, uh, you know, put in a Sharpie uh, Notre Dame to face Notre, uh, Virginia Tech uh, in the next round. That is a lousy draw for Virginia Tech. I mean, if there's ever a 10 seed that was going to be uh, much better than where they ended up in the ACC standings, it's this Notre Dame team that gets all of its star players back. Bonzi Colson is back. He was the preseason ACC player of the year. Uh, Matt Farrell was injured uh, the first time these two teams played each other. This is a very dangerous Notre Dame team all of a sudden, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, it's, and they're getting a bye today, essentially. I mean, as you said, uh, Pittsburgh is, is awful. Now, <laughs> we may end up looking stupid if something crazy happens today, but I just don't see it happening. Uh, I, I, I feel pretty confident in not saying that Pittsburgh's going to pull the upset here. <laughs> right. Well, you're, you're right about uh, the probably the most dangerous 10 seed ever in the in the ACC tournament. 
Uh, I was at that game on Saturday where they played Virginia, and they went toe-to-toe with the top team, top-ranked team in the country right now. Um, Colson was uh, fantastic. Uh, Farrell is uh, a stud. He, he didn't play against Virginia Tech uh, when they beat him, when, when the Hokies won that game in South Bend uh, earlier this season. Both those guys are, are, you know, are veterans who know what they're doing, and they're, they're, they're obviously very motivated. Uh, they've got to do more work to get in the NCAA tournament. They know that. Uh, they want to give, I think Bray was talking after the game uh, against Virginia. He says, look, you know, we, we hope we can just do enough in Brooklyn that the NCAA has to have a very interesting, interesting discussion about us because there's not a lot of teams that you see uh, that, you know, that have more players than they did in the middle of the season. It's it's usually, you know, you lose a couple of guys near the end of the season, and then it's like, okay, how do we see these guys based on what we know they have now and based on what their resume is? It's kind of the opposite with Notre Dame. Their resume is not as strong as it would have been, but uh, their team is certainly strong, and it'll be a motivated bunch, and it could be a lot of trouble for Virginia Tech. Notre Dame, 18-13 and 13 on the season, 8-10. and 10 in the ACC. Uh, immediately once they lose Colson and Farrell, they lose what is seven games in a row in the middle of the season. Uh, turn it around a little bit at the end, win three of their last five. Uh, do you think Notre Dame can win this tournament? I mean, is that a team that's capable of going on some run through this tournament? I don't think so. Uh, you know, just the, too many games the dark to play, horse, right? I think so. Uh, you know, that extra game, even if it's a, a sort of a, a relaxation test in the last uh, 15 minutes or so, like it could be today, is is still going to you know drain you a bit. I mean, you're still warming up, you're still running around out there in the first half. Uh, you know, you, your death gets challenged a lot more having to play that first day than it would even getting that just one by like the Hokies are getting. The one team that I could see possibly doing some damage as a lower seed, and they're not that low of a seed, is Anthony State. Um, I read something in ESPN the magazine a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about giant killers, and they were talking specifically about the NCAA tournament. But I think it applies here too. And what what the guy he was using uh, analytics to to talk about which teams are most dangerous that might not have the best seeds, and he was saying, you know, he went through the history and he he found teams teams that have wild oscillations in their results, like they beat very very good teams and then they lose to very very bad teams. Uh, those are more likely than the teams that do, you know, kind of what you expect them to do against their opponents. Um, and man, does no, does uh, NC State fit that bill? I mean, here they beat Arizona, they beat Duke, uh, they beat North Carolina at North Carolina. They also lost to Georgia Tech, <laughs> and we know Georgia Tech is not good. Um, they lost uh, to uh, who did they lose? I mean, they lost to the Hokies, which is you know that was in in Blacksburg, so, you know, you can kind of see that coming, maybe. Um, and then you saw uh, they lost to they lost to Notre Dame in January. Uh, they lost to UNC Greensboro. <laughs> you know, Greensboro just That's won a the tournament SoCon. team you're talking about there. That's a tournament <laughs> team. Come on now. Yeah, yeah, they won the SoCon last night, but still UNC Greensboro. You know, they lost to Northern Iowa. So, uh, you know, they, they've had those crazy ups and downs, but they've proven that they can beat elite teams. And that's what you're going to have to do uh, in this. They're, they're the five seed. They're going to get the winner of Boston College, Georgia Tech. Probably Boston College will come out of there. And you pick, pick up those to win that game. And they got Clemson, which is a four seed. I don't think is all that, uh, you know, intimidating, to be honest with you. I mean, they, they have a good RPI, um, but they haven't been playing all that well down the stretch. 
then you have a potential matchup with Virginia uh, in the semifinals. And we know Virginia can go, you know, cold at any time and, and perhaps have one of those games where it's not offensively on all cylinders. And so then all of a sudden you find yourself in the final. I mean, I, I could see that. And NC State in the history of this tournament has made some runs. I mean, the, in the years I've covered it, you know, it seems like back in those tippy low days, you know, they would, they would go and, uh, make a make a crazy run to the finals or to the semifinals, and people weren't didn't see coming. So look out for the Wolfpack. I'd say that's a that's a dark horse to keep an eye on. Well, I, I find it interesting the way you were describing NC State. You can almost say that same thing about Virginia Tech. Uh, I mean, you look at the standings. They're a seven seed in this tournament. If they had beaten Miami the other day, couldn't they have gotten up to like the three seed and gotten that double? It would have been the three. I think. Yep, I think that's right. Three, and we've been. Yeah, we'd be sitting around for two days because they wouldn't be playing. Yeah, they they would be a three seed because they'd have that seed that Miami's got. Um, well, look, you know, look, who, Tech, look, who, look at Virginia. Who Virginia Tech's beaten this year though? They've beaten the one seed Virginia. They've beaten the three two seed Duke. They've beaten the four seed Clemson. They've played Miami, the three seed, close at least. And you know, outside of some officiating down the stretch in Coral Gables last week, might have been able to win that game. They've beaten the five seed NC State. They've beaten the six seed North Carolina. Uh, they've either beaten or played tough every team that's ahead of them in the seedings right now. Is Virginia Tech a team that you could see that could, could make some noise in this tournament? Certainly. Certainly. I mean, they're good enough. Um, the, the difference is, you know, how they don't fit the formula that, that the guy was writing about in the, in the magazine would be that they don't have the embarrassing losses against teams that they have no business losing to. That's a good Other point. Other than St. Louis. They lost to St. Louis in November, but that's November, you know, okay. I mean, they've lost to, you know, Louisville, they lost at Miami, they lost at Duke. I mean, these are not bad losses. Um, the Florida State loss was kind of a point flip game at home. Um, they were slight favorites there, but that's still, you know, Florida State's solid. And, and they lost at Louisville. I was at that game. You know, that's a tough place to win a game. Virginia almost lost, probably should have lost there um, uh, in the penultimate regular season game. You know, they lost to Virginia at home and they lost at Syracuse. I mean, what and at Kentucky? So, what were you? Uh, you know, where's your bad losses there? And now, I, I, you know, I'm just going by what that guy wrote, and I thought it was an interesting, uh, you know, because if you're going to have a low seed, usually you're going to have some bad losses, right? Right. It's kind of interesting that Tech is lower than NC State without having really any bad losses. Certainly not any terrible losses in the ACC play. Tech season is very weird because it beat a bunch of teams that it perhaps shouldn't have at the top of the standings. It beat all the teams it should have at the bottom of the standings. And all of its losses essentially came in that middle group. You know, obviously you lose to Virginia and Duke at the top, but uh, you also beat those two teams. But then you lose twice to Miami, you lose twice to Louisville, lose to Florida State. I mean, those are all right in the middle of the ACC, and that makes up sort of the bulk of their losses this year. Uh, it's a very interesting team, and, and one that I think has the potential to, to do some stuff in the postseason. I think the way they play, uh, you know, they've shown an ability to score a lot, obviously, early in the season. They've shown an ability to defend later in the season. They've shown an ability to win some close games, which, uh, you know, is a skill for some of these teams. I, I think if you don't play a close game all year, and then all of a sudden you get to the tournament and get matched up with some fairly even teams to you, and you play a close game, some some of those teams just get freaked out by that. You know, they, they haven't played yeah. in a close game. They don't have those uh, final two-minute chops that Virginia Tech seems to have. They're, they're pretty good in those situations. I know they haven't won all those games, but they have pulled out their fair share of games. Uh, I think it's an interesting team. I mean, where do you think this team is heading into this tournament? How, how do you think uh, they've been playing lately? You, you've obviously seen them in person a lot more than I have. 
Well, here's an interesting fact to your point. Uh, that loss to Miami, the one-point loss at Miami in the regular season finale was the first time Tech had lost a game all season uh, that was decided by fewer than or five or fewer points. Um, so you're right. They, That's remarkable. These, I think they're they're four or five and one in those in those scenarios. And of course, there's a lot of really good teams uh, included in that. You know, the Virginia game, stuff like that. So, um, how do I think they are? I, I think you know, Buzz was talking last night over at the arena. He said, uh, you know, he was saying, look, at, at, at the, during the Miami game, which everyone the the first Miami game, which everyone turns looks at as the turning point, uh, they they were like 14 in all all the defensive metrics that matter to him. Um, you know, so how many layup attempts you're getting and um, <clears throat> how you defend the three and, and, and so forth. And by the end of the season, they were up to like fifth or sixth in the ACC in a lot of those categories, he said. And I haven't vetted that, but, I, you know, I don't, I don't question. He knows, he knows those numbers. Um, the big thing they've been doing is what Buzz was saying is, you know, the, the clogging the lane thing, he said, we, we were just giving up too many uncontested shots near the basket. He said, we were going to make people earn it from outside. And you saw it against Virginia when Virginia put up a zillion three-pointers, the most three-pointers they've ever put up under Tony Bennett, and and they lost to Virginia Tech. Um, you've seen it recently in, in some other games, too. I mean, uh, you know, Duke beat Virginia Tech – in, in uh, Cameron Indoor by hitting a ton of outside shots. You know, that's what they did. And, and, so, and if somebody does that against Tech in this tournament, Tech is pretty much powerless to stop it because they have gone all in on making sure nobody gets easy buckets near the basket. And part of the reason for that is that if you're clogging the lane, you're more likely to get the rebound if the shot is missed. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that's a big concern for them. It's been all year is that, you know, we can't give up offensive boards. This is Virginia Tech talking. We can't give up offensive boards if we're going to win games. And, and of course, they're, they're going to give up some because they're not very big. But if they're, if they're all near the, near the uh, paint, there's a better chance that the ball will carry them to them or they can get in position to box somebody out and get that board. So I, I like the fact that they have a, a better balanced team now than they did uh, in December and even January. Um, but it, it will come down to, you know, whether somebody gets hot from the outside. And certainly Notre Dame with Farrell, I mean, it, Farrell, I think, leads the ACC in um, three-pointers made per game. He makes about three-and-a-half per game. So he'll be one to watch in that game for sure. And Colson can score from anywhere and create his own shot from anywhere. So it's, it's just a really – Difficult, difficult matchup for Tech. And it, it could send Berman home uh, the first night. It really could. We'll, I guess up, we'll make that prediction later, though. How upset would Berman be that, that he loves every trip to New York uh, to get sent home after the first night? Well, Rube in the city gets to stick around if Virginia wins <laughs> and, and, and enjoy a couple more nights there. Yeah, I think he'd be upset. But I know I think he knows he's got a, you know, He's got a future here of possibly going to cover Radford and Dayton and then going to cover Virginia Tech wherever they wind up. Uh, if, if things work out geographically, you know, that Tech's in Pittsburgh or something on, on Thursday or Friday or Nashville, um, he may double dip that, that Radford. So, I mean, I, he knows he's got more excitement uh, to look forward to, which is the difference between this year and maybe some other years where, where Tech's not uh, an NCAA tournament-bound team. Well, hold on on that front, because it sounds like I might be traveling with Radford uh, for their tournament appearance. 
after speaking to well, there you go. yesterday. So I, I might be called up to basketball duty this week. Uh, well, first on Virginia Tech, just to close out Virginia Tech here, I'm, I'm looking at the bracketology. Uh, Joe Lenardi has them as an eight seed against Oklahoma uh, in the Midwest, would feed in to play Xavier, the one seed in the second round, assuming a victory there. Uh, Jerry Palm has them as an eight seed against Arizona State, uh, with a potential matchup with Kansas in the second round. Uh, it's sort of a in luxury. Wichita, right? Uh, let's see where that one was. That was, yes, Wichita. That makes sense. Uh, it's sort of a luxury this year for, for Tech. Doesn't have to worry uh, about whether it's going to be in or not like it was for all those years before. I guess last year was kind of the same case. Uh, there'd be a lot of benefit of getting off that 8-9 line. If they could win a game or two and, and impress enough to get up to like a 7 seed and avoid that 1 seed in the second round, I think that's a very big deal. Uh, I mean, I guess of those two matchups, if you get Oklahoma right now, I don't think Oklahoma's played very good basketball lately. I guess that would be... That'd be a, a pretty good matchup for Virginia Tech, don't you think? To get to get Oklahoma the way they've played lately. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, Trey Young's been really bad. Um, he hasn't, you know, he was he was the toast of college basketball early in the season, and now he's uh, he's sort of become meme worthy for for jokes and things. I mean, he's been he's been pretty bad. But yeah, I, I, I think they, you know. Normally, when you're a seven seed in the ACC tournament and you play a ten seed and potentially beat a ten seed, uh, it's not going to impress anybody. But I think if they were to beat Notre Dame, uh, you know, the NCAA committee would look at that and say, "Well, that's that's a good win." You know, they're still playing very well, um, even if they were to fall to Duke in the in the next round. Um, I think that would potentially give them enough juice, perhaps, to get off that eight nine line, maybe get to a seven, but. Um, you're right. Uh, you you want to avoid the eight-line line as much as you can because certainly that second game is, is a doozy. And, you know, look, we talked last week. You said if, at some point if you're in the NCAA tournament, you're going to have to face somebody good. Um, but I think there is a lot of uh, – for, for, for a program like Virginia Tech, you know, if you were to get to the Sweet 16, you know, that's just a, a monumental accomplishment. You know, it'd be just such a, uh, a celebratory thing for, for fans to have a whole other weekend to look forward to uh, after the first weekend. So in that respect, you know, if you're not a team that's probably going to cut down the net at the end of the season, um, you kind of want that – you want a scenario where you don't face anybody too tough to her. We mentioned before uh, Radford, this is a Virginia Tech podcast, but we're not blind to the happenings in southwest Virginia here. You were at the Radford game the other day. Uh, beat Liberty, last-second shot by Carleek Jones. What was that atmosphere like? I've never seen that place, like, full. It seems like all the games that I've had to go over and, and cover, it's always like the students are on spring break or something like that, or it's just a smattering of people in the crowd. What was that atmosphere like in the Dedman Center with an actual, like, full crowd that was all into the game? It was cool. I've seen it once before in 2009 when they played VMI uh, in the Big South final with the, you know, and they won that game to, to go to the tournament. They ended up playing North Carolina in the tournament, got, got beat uh, predictably. This was a similar situation in that Liberty was the opponent. You know, and VMI brought a ton of people. Liberty brought a ton of people. Um, and, of course, they were all wearing red, too. So it made them look like Radford fans. If you just tuned in on TV and said, oh, well, you know, it's all Radford fans around there. But it was, it was almost half, half, probably 60-40 Radford. Um but it was a great day for that university. And there were a lot of, uh, you know, people that I haven't seen in ages. I mean, I've seen Frank around a lot, but he, you know, he got a graduate degree in guidance 
from RU. I know John Boleyn's wife works at the uh, university there, too. So there's a lot of connections to him, with him to Radford. He got his coaching start under Norma Lindenberg, who, who was in attendance, and um, you know the former Radford high school coach, and just great, great all-around dude. Uh, so it was it was a sort of a community event. You, you know, the students were on spring break for this, so there was a, an element of of noise that maybe was missing for Radford because I think the crowd was a little older than it would have been otherwise. But in a lot of ways, it was uh, you know just the city coming out to support the team, and it was an incredible finish. Obviously, um, I misspelled Carly Jones's name on my tweet. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I you know I didn't have the best day out there for whatever reason. Uh, but it was cool to be there. It was cool to see. And, you know, if they get to Dayton, a lot of people say, well, nobody wants to go to Dayton. Radford wants to go to Dayton. Oh, uh, yeah. Coach Mike Jones told Berman, he says, look, that's a chance to get a double-A win. You know, and certainly they, they would face some team that's probably not as good as they are. Um, you know, maybe SWAC, SWAC champ or MEAC champ. And, and then you can, you know, you can win that game, and, and that's on your resume as, a, as an NCAA tournament win. And then you go and you, you take your, your flogging from whoever you end up facing, maybe Virginia. That could be what ends up happening. Um, so, I, you know, I, I I don't know if I'm going to go to Dayton, too. It's going to be a little bit uh, squarely with my my uh, schedule and trying to get the family and the kids taken care of and all that. But this is such a crazy time. But um, if I can go, I will, and uh, I'll join you there. Yeah, I think that Radford Liberty game is sort of like boils down to the essence of what March Madness is. Like these are two, yeah. you know, in the grand scheme of themes, things, two nothing programs on the on the NCAA scale. You know, nobody really pays attention to the Big South all year, but you get that bid to the tournament, and that's a big deal when a team makes it. And you know, it, it's been nine years since Radford has been to the tournament. I think you look at the job Mike Jones has done there, coming back from you know, the mess that Brad Greenberg left behind and the NCAA sanctions and stuff to get this program back to going there. That's a pretty special thing. And to see it like up close with a program you've sort of followed for the last couple of years, it's like, okay, you can understand why getting to the tournament for these teams is such a just joyous moment. And, you know, getting over the, the hill and getting over the top and, and, and getting to go to the dance. You said you said Mike Jones is, uh, wants to go to Dayton, which I thought was interesting. And, and I've always looked at the Dayton games. It's like, ah, it's not really the tournament. So like, it's, it's unfair to put those 16 seeds in there. From a financial standpoint, I didn't realize this, but if you win that first game, you get a full share when they break up the, yeah. the, the NCAA money. You get like a full unit for that. So potentially winning the 16 versus 16 game could net the Big South like $1.6 million over the course of six years. So, you know, that's yeah. split those that's split up among the schools, but it's still a lot better than just getting an appearance, which I think is 250,000 per game, roughly somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, so it's a lot more money in that sense. Uh, I'm looking at projections here. Both uh, Lenardi and Jerry Palm have Radford against Hampton as a 16 seed, uh, would feed into, let's see, feed into the one seed against, uh, looks like Villanova here in Pittsburgh. Uh, so, yeah, it's not the worst uh, thing in the world to go and play a team like that and, and win an NCAA game, potentially uh, last a little bit longer than a day. I mean, if you're a 16 seed and you go against a one, I mean, you're going to lose. <laughs> it's never happened. There's never been right. an upset so far. And if it does, it's going to be such a monumental upset. It'd be amazing. But the better chances are you're probably going to lose by 30 or 40 with the number one seed resting at starters. 
uh, late in the game. So <laughs> if that's your reality in the NCAA tournament, I think getting to go somewhere like Dayton and winning a game and uh, maybe you would lose the experience of going if you lose that game of going on to, you know, to the, the bigger site and actually feel like you're in the NCAA tournament for, for a lot of these smaller schools. I think that is a pretty good opportunity. Yeah. And, and uh, don't forget, you're the only game on. I mean, I guess there's NIT games going on, too, but nobody cares uh, about those. Come know, on. First round NIT. No, nobody. On. OK, that's true. That's true. Uh Oh, I thought you meant the, the 16 versus 16. But, no, yeah, people, I mean, will people, people, people will watch people that. People because they're so yeah, geeked up for the NCAA and, tournament. Right. And and it's so you've got that the time slot to yourself. You've got TV. You've got, you know, you've got really good exposure for your program there. And, uh, you know, because I don't know how many people really tune in for those 116 matchups if you've got other options, you know. So you you, you, you kind of, well, I was in the NCAA tournament. Were you? I didn't see you. Oh, we played this one seed that crushed. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I remember now. You played, the, you know, you played Virginia. Oh, yeah, okay. But, it, yeah, so it, it's cool. It's the first time ever, assuming that Virginia Tech is in the bracket, which they will be, um, the first time ever that the two NRV teams have been in the NCAA tournament in the same year. So uh, good for the area and uh, a fun thing to follow here in the next couple of weeks. Well, i got to say your favorite Twitter site this time of year, Titanic Hoops, had the, uh, the winning shot for Carly Jones on there, and it worked just so perfectly to it. I missed that. Oh yeah, I, I retweeted. You, you sent it that out. I retweeted it because it was yeah, it's so great. That thing, that that song works for everything. It does. Let's see. Can you hear this in the background? I'm not sure if you can hear this in the background. I can barely hear it. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the perfect. That was the perfect uh, moment. And then, the, like the camera follows all the guys running across the floor to, to like congratulate him and stuff. Uh, yeah, and you, got the, you got the the, the stunned Liberty fans too. That oh yeah, yeah, that's it, it. Hit all the notes Magical. that you want in like a postseason uh, game winning shot. Is the crowd going nuts? The player running across the floor. The players coming and mobbing him. The other team stunned in the crowd, doing the you know surrender cobra like hands on the head type thing. Uh, that's what March Madness is about. So I, I enjoy all these moments. I guess I should follow Titanic Hoops to uh, to, to to catch up on all the the game winners that happen with this stuff. Yeah, they started doing baseball too, which is uh, not quite as good. But some of those postseason games, you know, where the you know the grand slam by uh, Francisco Lindor last year and against the Yankees and stuff. I mean, some of them really work. But basketball seems to be the best the most uh, congruent with, with that site. I think it's the best because there's always like a lead up. They're dribbling a little bit beforehand and you hear the, the music kick in a little bit and you're like, I know what's happening next. And then it never disappoints <laughs> whenever they hit it. No, you're right. It's awesome. All right. Well, we've, we've talked about basketball for a while. We, this is uh, usually a football podcast. We should probably talk a little bit of football here. Uh, give me an over under uh, two minutes uh, how much of over under two minutes did you watch of the NFL Combine over the weekend? <laughs> under, under it was zero minutes. If uh, I could have put it at two zero... seconds, would it have been over or under? <laughs> it would have been under. Uh, you know, I picked up the USA Today this morning at breakfast, and uh, <laughs> they had an article: the forty things we learned from the NFL Combine. And I said, well, I'll be skipping that one. 
a forty thing. So yeah, you know, look, hey, part of it is you do such a fabulous job uh, reporting on the guys that I would have any interest at all knowing anything about. So I know you're going to tweet it. I know it'll be on our site if there's something you know just crazy that happens. So why would I? tune in and you know and watch that i, I it's, it's content for these national outlets that uh, you know don't have anything else to cover really other you know as we're tuning up for the ncaa tournament uh but i thought about today as i was on my walk i said you know if if baseball is combine and he just brought pitchers you know amateur pitchers out there you know hey this guy threw 99 you know or you know hey this guy threw a ball 300 uh, feet you know or whatever uh, I would I would follow that <laughs> I think I'm some sort of a prospect nerd and stuff like that. So I understand why people enjoy it. Uh, football is king in this country, but uh, it's just you know, uh, look, you gotta you gotta pick your pick your battles, and that's not a battle that uh, I, I wanna I wanna you know charge into is is following the combine. That's just not not of interest to me. Oh, it's so. So boring. what's going on with tech? Tell us tell us about tech and then how are the guys doing? It's so boring. I I I get I have it down to a science right now. I think I, I record the combine uh, every now and then. I'll I'll go back and like zip through it until the Virginia Tech guys come up, and then I just sort of listen to what Mike Mayock says for those you know ten or fifteen seconds that they're up in that particular drill, and then I'll I'll tweet it out or whatever, put it on my running post. Uh, it was an interesting. I mean, this was an interesting year for Tech in the sense that they had seven guys. I mean, every day that the, the uh, the combine was going on. They had somebody out there. I guess Cam Phillips didn't do anything, uh, presumably because he's still coming back from the sports hernia surgery. Uh, everybody's like, oh, he's three months out from that. Shouldn't he be good? It's like, well, you have to train for it. You don't want to go out there having not trained for any of these events. And like, they're like, oh, he could have done the bench press. It's like, you, you want to strain and do the bench press when you just recently had the sports hernia surgery when you probably weren't able to work out for the longest time. So big picture, probably smart of Cam Phillips not to work out there. But I think sort of the story from Virginia Tech was uh, the Edmonds brothers, and yeah. with like you know we've seen these guys up close. We know they they're sort of these athletic freaks, for lack of a better term. Uh, they're just like these long, rangy athletes that are just it's like they're really that fast. You can jump that high and do all this stuff. We've sort of seen it for a couple of years, uh, but for the scouting public or for the, the the football viewing public and the scouts out there, they're watching it. It's sort of the first time I think that they've seen that up close. Uh, so you have Tremaine Edmonds running a four five something uh, at 250 pounds and six foot five. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty freakish uh, athletic talent there. Uh, I think he had a, a really good broad jump. Uh, Tr- Terrell Edmonds had a 41 and a half inch vertical. I think he had the longest uh, broad jump or tied for the longest broad jump uh, at the combine this year. Uh, just in, an impressive uh, showing for those two. I, I think Terrell didn't do quite do all the agility drills. He, he sort of pulled up a little bit after his second 40 that he ran. But, uh, you know, I think Tremaine solidified his uh, the fact that he should be a top 10 pick. Uh, if there was any doubts about his athletic ability or anything like that, uh, he certainly put them to rest at the combine. So I, I think if anybody's looking to take a linebacker in the top 10, uh, he's certainly on their radar right now. I think Terrell... You know, I don't want to say he's going to shoot up the draft just because he tested pretty well, but uh, for a guy that maybe people didn't know as much about, uh, certainly like Tremaine, to, to see him go out there and do that kind of stuff, it, it might have them take a second look at this guy and go, oh, this might be somebody 
worth uh, considering in the the day two range or, or second or third round, something like that. So uh, those two had pretty good uh, weekends from the sounds of it. it. Sounds like Tim Settle did not. You know, I, I watched some of his and didn't run that fast. But I mean, he's 330 pounds. You expect him to run that fast. Uh, they had some of the agility drills. He looked like he was stumbling and tripping around a little bit. Uh, I think, if anything, that just sort of takes some of the, the air out of the, oh, Tim Settle's rising up draft boards things. He's not going to be a first-round pick or anything like that. Uh, but I think when people watch his tape, which is you know, still the most important part of this whole thing, is how you were as a football player and what you put on film for a couple years versus how you did in one weekend in Indianapolis uh, in your underwear, essentially. I, th- I think people still think pretty highly of Tim. I mean, he's not going to be a track champion by any means <laughs> at his size, but... In terms of being a football player who has a, a pretty high motor and is tough to move on the interior, he's a pretty good player. So uh, I take some of these uh, NFL Combine results with a, a grain of salt because, uh, as we've seen in the past, guys like Logan Thomas, Bucky Hodges, they just crushed it at the Combine. It didn't really mean a whole much when you're looking at how they became NFL players. Uh, so, you know, the, the, it's a little bit of a help, but I, I, I don't think it's the biggest deal. You know, based on what I've seen on Twitter, it seems like a lot of Tech fans maybe are hate-watching the Combine in terms of they want to see Virginia players fail or, you know, other other ACC rivals fail. I'm curious, when you, you know, because whenever you tweet something on the Combine or you post a blog about it or something like that, you, you probably get feedback from people who are really interested in, in all of it. And uh, what, what gets them going? What juices them up? Is it somebody running a really fast 40, or is it uh, do any of these other events uh, resonate with people, or, or is it just pretty much you know how fast you are, and that's that's what gets the discussion going. It's pretty much how fast you are. <laughs> it essentially boils yeah. down to the forty. And somebody has like a, a slightly slow forty. It's like four five six for a corner. It's like oh, I thought he'd run faster than that. <laughs> it's if four five six is like <laughs> slow. It's like well, well as it's, they as they drink their beers and then type on their keyboards. Yeah, <laughs> I would. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I, I could run faster. Yeah, and you know, you have to know how to play football. It's like it's not just running that fast; you have to play that fast too, and like changing directions and everything that goes with it. So it's like, if you have two, four, five corners in the NFL, but they know how to play cornerback, you're fine. That's just fine. If they have those instincts that they know how to to make the right moves and uh, shade to the right side and stuff like that. I mean, you don't need to be a four three four two guy to to succeed in that. Now it helps to have that extra speed like that, but I mean, time and time again, you see guys that don't necessarily test off the charts of the combine get to the NFL and do very well. It's like, oh, why'd they do that? It's like, well, they're good at football. <laughs> you know, it's 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 not the decathlon here that you're competing for. So. I mean, just so much gets made of this NFL Combine because it's February and there's nothing going on. February, early March, and there's nothing going on football-wise. It's still, you know, uh, 11 days out there, I think, until Virginia Tech begins spring football. I think people are just so desperate for anything football that they sort of overstate, perhaps, uh, the results of some of this stuff that's going on in the field. Well, I like your I like your style, I like your attitude about this event because you're sort of like the old school scout in the in Moneyball, you know. You're, you're like, can he play football? That's all I want to know. Can he play football? Forget these times and all this broad jumping. You can't broad jump the ball across the goal line. So yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Hey, we, maybe we should mention the Whit Babcock Award. Did he win? He was like one of four guys to win a national award. We 
we should. Wait, wait, but first, are you likening me to the old scouts in Moneyball? I feel like my approach is more like the new Moneyball. It's like, how do they play football? I don't care how they run and jump and do all this stuff. That's what the old scouts always say. It's like, oh, he's got a cannon of an arm, five-tool player, can't miss. It's like, oh, can he hit the ball? That was Billy Bean's approach. Oh, what's his average? Can he actually play baseball? Yeah, I guess that's a good point. You are you are more like the modern you're guy. Likening, you're, right, you're right. You're likening me to the evil guys in Moneyball, and I'm not going to sit here and stand for it. Uh, yeah, I guess with my, Babcock. My, Go I ahead. guess my point, no, before before we get to that, I'm sorry. Uh, my point would be that you're 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 dismissing the the tangible evidence. You know, the the, the old school bird dogs. They would they would look at the OPS. <laughs> the on-base percentage and they would just say well i don't i don't care about that he's he's got a you know a pretty swing and he he's got a you know a good jaw line and all that and and so what you're doing is is similar to that and that you're throwing out any of these numbers that we get here at the combine you're not throwing them out but you're you're minimizing it to say i've seen this guy play football i know he can play football i know what i know and i know these guys can play football uh the whit babcock thing he was one of four uh ADs recognized uh, it was an Under Armour Athletic Director of the Year, I believe it was. I forget the exact award here. I didn't have it called up on my computer. You you, you caught me by surprise on this. Pretty nice honor uh, for Babcock to get it. I don't think anybody in Virginia Tech circles would say that he didn't deserve this honor. They've been very pleased with how he's done. Uh, are you surprised it took this long for him to get something like this? He's He's been pretty effective so far. Yeah, you know, he's been fantastic. I mean, it sort of dovetails off the conversation we had last week about uh, coaching tandems. You know, they had him ranked, Athlon had him ranked number two, Virginia Tech behind Duke in terms of basketball and football uh, coaching tandems, and that's what matters, really. <laughs> how good is your basketball program? How good is your football program? Probably in reverse order. How good is your football program first at Virginia Tech? That's what matters most, and it's, it's healthy, and basketball is healthy. Uh, we'll see how John Sheff works out in the baseball uh, side of things, but uh, that, nobody was looking at that hire saying that was uh, a hire of the chief or, you know, a bad, bad idea. I mean, certainly the guy has done a lot at Maryland and, and deserves an opportunity to uh, try to turn this ship around at, at Virginia Tech, too. So then you got three, you know, sort of the major sports. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the lifeblood of your athletic program. And he's he's really nailed all of that. So I don't see why anybody. I mean, that's what that's what ads have to do more than anything is make make great hires. You know, there, there's other things that the you know the the fundraising, which he's you know obviously very experienced at, very uh, accomplished at, and and he's doing as much as he can on that front in Blacksburg too. But in the end, it's it's did you pick the right guy or gal to lead your major programs, and uh, that's what he's done. Yeah, I think you can add to that. Kenny Brooks on the women's side for basketball. I know it's not a huge revenue sport, yeah. but they seem to be doing better, or at least on the right track, uh, an upward track with that right now. Uh, wrestling, Tony Roby taking over. Uh, you know, they they won the ACC this year, correct? Again? They, yeah, they did. I think it's three in, three in a row, right? Three in a row for them? Yeah, so that, that train's still sort of rolling. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pretty good uh, plaudits there for uh, for Whit Babcock, uh, a well-deserved honor. Uh, we usually close with this with a prediction. So we'll, we'll predict the ACC tournament. We're going to uh, pick how far we think Virginia Tech is going to go in this thing. And I know what I'm thinking. I'll let you go first on this one, though. I'm going to go, and people aren't going to like this, but I'm going to go one and done. 
I mean, I, I everything we've talked about earlier with Notre Dame, it's just it seems like that's that's the perfect storm of a, of a motivated, talented team with with veteran star players. Um, that's just it's a bad recipe, and I, I like uh, Notre Dame's chances in that game. I'm not sure what the line will be. Uh, I can I can envision it being something close to a pickle, um, because that's just you know I think the line at at Virginia for Notre Dame Virginia was nine, and you know Virginia's been getting a lot of respect from from lines makers. Um, so I, I I think it's sort of a coin flip game, and and the way sort of some of the intangibles that I think Notre Dame has going for it right now, you know, the hunger and the, and the fact that, you know, when you're sitting on the sidelines, all you can think about is when you get back and what you're going to do when you do that. And Colson is talented enough to to really, really cause some issues for a team that uh, has played much better defense of late, but still, you know, is, is, not, uh, is not Virginia's caliber of defense, which is what I saw on Saturday. So I think that could be it for them. But, I, you know, that's the crazy thing is if they if they win that game, who knows? I mean, if they win that game, you know they've already beaten Duke once, and I know it was in Blacksburg, and I know it was uh, you know a nip and tuck game that uh, they easily could have lost. But you know, there's no reason that they they couldn't uh, they couldn't win that game too. And then you're you know you're going to match up with a, a Miami or a Carolina. You know, I mean, there, there's really no teams that that test their faith. To your point earlier about how how they've beaten everybody ahead of them in the league, there's no team that they're going to face that I say they have no shot against. So um, that's that's the fun part I think for Virginia Tech fans is that uh, they can sit back and watch this, knowing that they're safely in the NCAA tournament, and saying, "Hey, anything anything Tech can do here would be would be great." Yeah, I, I think I probably agree with you on this one. This just seems like a lousy draw. To potentially get Notre Dame in the second round, and you know perhaps Buzz uses this to his advantage. They hey nobody's talking about us in this game. That's because that's all anybody's going to be picking in that game is Notre Dame. So per, maybe the Hokies can use that to their advantage in terms of motivation. Uh, I just think Notre Dame is a really good team that had a tough break in the middle of the year, and now all of a sudden they get this star player back at the right time. Uh, could make a run in this tournament. Uh, who do you think is going to win it? Maybe that's a better prediction. Who, who do you think is going to win the whole thing? Before I tell you that, let me preview my column for tomorrow. Uh, shameless plug here, but yeah, I'm writing about Chris Clark because I've talked a lot about him on the podcast, but I haven't, I hadn't had a chance to really talk to him, and I got a, an opportunity to talk to him last night, and he, he he confirmed what I said, you know, that I suspected was that he was passing up some shots earlier this season. He wasn't as confident. Uh, he was still working his way back, really, uh, mentally, confidence-wise, from his injury. And I think he's a huge, huge X-factor in this game for Virginia Tech. Um, he's he's always been a huge X-factor X for him. But he's been playing well at the end of games lately, even that Miami game they lost. Uh, he, he had a nice burst, a scoring burst at the end of the game. Uh, certainly, he scored all six points at the end of the Duke game. He was really, really good against Notre Dame, that's the only double-double he has this season against an ACC team. I've incorrectly reported on here before that, that it was the only double-double he had this season. He had two in the non-conference play against the Citadel and somebody else, but um, he's the only ACC double-double he has against Notre Dame, and he was he was great at the end of that game, too. So I, I think they're going to be looking for him to, to really make some noise off the bench and be a big part of that that that. Uh, that game on uh, Wednesday night. But to your to your question, uh, you know, let me go ahead and let me go ahead and throw that NC State up there. 
Uh, I think that's, uh, you know, everything I talked about before, uh, I'm interested to see what they what they can do here. Um, and that's not a chalky pick. So, I mean, you know, I hate chalk. So, I mean, I think Virginia, if I had to just, you know, if someone put a gun to my head and said, you have to be right here, uh, I would probably take Virginia because Buckeye's beaten everybody. And uh, they're comfortable on the road. They won 9-0 on the road. I mean, who does that? Nobody does that. And uh, they're, they're very comfortable. I wonder about Kyle Guy a little bit. You know, he's going to have to, I think, wear a knee brace. Um, he's their leading scorer. Uh, they, they need him. But uh, they didn't. he didn't score a single point against Notre Dame. They still won. So they believe in their system. Uh, I think, they're to me, they're the favorite. Maybe Vegas might make Duke the favorite. Uh, but I'll take, just to be different, and to try and sound smart, if they actually do it, I'm going to take the Wolfpack. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'd probably go with Virginia if I had to pick a team. And my life depended on it. If I if I want to make a team that's going to make a run, I, I think the winner of Virginia Tech Notre Dame could be interesting. Uh, it just I think that, that they have the potential to beat any team that that's ahead of them on there. Uh, part of the reason that I look at Virginia and I think they probably have a, a better chance is, you know, if Duke's going to get there, it has to either be Virginia Tech or Notre Dame, and then potentially North Carolina or Miami after that. I mean, it's just a tougher road it seems like uh, to go through. I mean, there's no easy road for any ACC team in this, but. Uh, I think uh, if you have to play tough teams throughout the whole thing, that that might be uh, catches you at some point along the way there. So, all right, do we have well, anything I else think, to talk about? Well, I, to your point there, I think Duke, you know, sitting there well rested, playing a potentially a Notre Dame team that's had to play two games. You know, that gives that gives Notre Dame a, uh, I mean, that gives Duke an edge in that matchup. Uh, oh yeah, potentially, which which would be a big big entrance to. Because we both said that we think Notre Dame's going to win that game, so you think you know, the, the winner of the Tech Notre Dame game is it has a chance to make some noise. But I think they, they run into a buzzsaw probably in that, that third round Duke. So I don't know. Do we have anything else to talk about? I, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? No, I'm going to let you get out of here and enjoy your uh, New York City paradise a little bit more. Make sure to get one of those shirts that has the I Heart New York on it. I feel like all the locals like to show their appreciation for New York by wearing those around the city. So if you could do that, I think we'd really advertise that you're fitting in in New York and are not an outsider whatsoever. And I'll try not to get any dipstick on it when I do. Uh, when I wear a white I Love New York t-shirt, there's all sorts of I Love New York stores around here, and uh, I have not set foot in one yet because despite my changing opinion on it, I still can't say that I truly love the place. You're so so in New York. Those aren't as popular of T-shirts there, but but hopefully you can find some sort of uh, souvenir that you can pick up. All right, this is a good podcast. We, we'll do this probably again next week. It might be difficult with travel schedules, but we've established we can do this over the phone, so perhaps we can do something again. Would you think that would work? Heck yeah, let's keep it going. We'll break down text uh, text matchups in the NCAA's for sure. All right, well, we'll be back next week with a podcast uh, probably earlier in the week once the bracket is announced. Uh, For Aaron McFarlane, this is Andy Bitter. We'll talk to you next time.